Welcome to Discover a Better You podcast, formerly known as Uncommon Sense on Relationship podcast. I'm your host, Coach Christina, owner of Discover a Better You LLC, co-founder of the nonprofit Heart Centered Matters, and certified professional coach. In this podcast, I'll bring you practical advice and tough love on relationships from a Christian perspective. We'll cover everything from the law of attraction, the five love languages and boundaries, to self-love and modern dating. It means so much to me that you're taking the time out of your day to listen, to be coachable, and be encouraged. What's new with this podcast? Each month, I'll be bringing on guests from diverse backgrounds with various stories and beliefs. They will be sharing their heart as well as their passion for many types of self-improvement. Their expertise may be in health, fitness, finance, business, mindset, or relationships. But if they're on this show, I guarantee they'll be bringing you value that will improve your life as well as your relationships. I hope you all love this new dimension of the show. If these episodes are meaningful to you, please let me know by subscribing, leaving a message, a review, or sharing with a friend. I also love when you send me topic ideas that you would like included in the next episode. But whichever way you choose to participate in this group, thank you. Today, we welcome Dr. Tara Guzzo. She is a naturopath doctor and an expert on resilience for your mind, body, and soul. Hello, Tara, and welcome. Hi, to Christina. The show. Thank you so much, so much for, for having me here today. When I first heard your podcast, it really resonated with me and some of the experiences that I had in my life as well. So I could see that we shared common ground. And I want to say that I really appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. So I'm really excited to be here to have this conversation with you today and to share with your audience. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy that you're going to have a story for us. And I know it's going to have wonderful insight and actionable things that people can not only relate to. Absolutely. So So I want to start out by telling you a little bit about myself and my background I'm a naturopathic doctor and acupuncturist. I work with women like many in your audience who are really successful in a lot of ways, but they may be experiencing health challenges that are impacting the way that they want to live their lives. They don't want to accept a mediocre life with a lack of energy and motivation to do what they want when they want. And their relationships are often suffering too because they're not feeling like themselves. And that's usually when they show up in my office. So One thing that I want to make clear is that if you're not living intentionally, every single day, you're missing out on 57,600 potential opportunities to become more resilient and energized. So, yes. So before... Wow. (laughs) It is. And before I break that number down and help to clarify and understand that point, I want to tell you a bit of a story. So I've definitely had a lot of inflection points in my life that have brought me to the path that I'm currently on and working in the profession that I'm working in. But this one recent story really stands out because it had me digging deeper within myself and into resilience than ever before. And I've studied human health and psychology for over 17 years, as well as working on my own health. I've spent thousands of clinical hours working on one-on-one with patients for over a decade now. And the story I'm about to share, it reinforced my mission and it actually put to the test 
all of my knowledge, my skills, my training. And I had to walk my own talk every single day on a new level I'd never experienced before. <laughs> so just to share a little bit about me and for those who know me, they'll know that I'm obsessed with getting the ultimate great night of sleep. And I've tested out over the years many pillows. I've tried various sleep strategies and I seriously protect my sleep time. I am not the happiest camper if someone wakes me up. <laughs> yes. Likewise. So I'm a little I'm intense so about that. sleep. And one night this past summer, I went to bed just like any other night. And then I woke up out of a dead sleep to knocking on the front door. It was 3.17 in the morning. And it wasn't just any knock. It was a frantic loud, repeated knock, accompanied by doorbell ringing over and over. And yes, exactly what I thought. I felt oh panic. I felt it in my chest. I couldn't breathe. My husband was sleeping beside me and I quickly woke him up. And of course, at 3.17 a.m., we're not expecting any guests. So I realized that this was not good. In fear, I asked my husband, could no. you please peek out the window and see who's here before we answer the door? Because I wasn't feeling safe at that point. And yes, for yeah, sure. Please check. Absolutely. Let me know who's here. I didn't even want to open the door. But he went to look out the window and then he turned around and he said to me, there's a police car in our driveway. Yes. So my heart immediately sank to my feet. I felt terrified, and though I've worked on this a lot, my mind still jumped to the worst case scenario. I thought, someone we love is dead. So we went together to the door, yeah. opened the door, and there were two police officers standing there. They told us that the building where my practice is located was currently burning down to the ground. Thankfully, everyone got out safely oh and no one was injured. So they made a point to tell us that. And it was reassuring, though there was some chaos starting in my mind. But at the same time, I felt a wave of gratitude, which you wouldn't necessarily expect that in a situation like that. But I recognized no one was dead. It certainly could have been worse. And I was really grateful that everyone was safe. But we needed to see it for True. ourselves. So yeah. we hopped in our vehicle. We drove to the scene of the fire. You know, there was nothing specifically we could do, but we needed to see it with our own eyes and make sure that the residential tenants in the building were okay. And, you know, there were three small businesses, including my own and two homes that were devastated in this fire. But somehow still standing in front of this smoky mess, I felt a sense of acceptance. And acceptance meaning just acknowledging what was happening and not feeling like I had to control the situation just like this is what's happening right now and yeah right. and I recognize too looking it. back that there yeah. was obviously a mix of shock in there too <laughs> but I was feeling really grateful yes. and I thought you know those police officers that bravely came to our door to deliver that news and do that day in and day out, you know, to many families in different scenarios, the emergency services workers that were there on the scene to make sure everyone was safe and the firefighters who put out the fire and really went above and beyond. I just, I felt so grateful in my heart. 
<clears throat> and I knew that my life was drastically changing right before my eyes. And in spite of all of that, I actually felt supported in that moment. And I knew there was a lot of challenge ahead. I was aware of that. And now I had no place to care for my patients. So the next several weeks involved really navigating the unknown. There was definitely a lot of stress. I experienced trauma that really started with a knock on that door. And there was a lot of change happening at the time. So yeah. going to, you know, the subject of resilience, when people hear that term, they'll often think that, well, that's how you bounce back for, from adversity, which it certainly is. But resilience isn't created in the bounce back moment. Resilience is actually created in the seeds that you sow with the decisions that you make every day. So I want to explain this and share some personal examples that I think will help listeners to understand more how they can connect to resilience. So the foundation of my work with my Absolutely. patients is the resilience, the resilient woman formula. And that involves having a resilient body, a resilient mind, resilient emotions, and a resilient spirit. So I'll break each of those down so that you can get a better understanding. Having a resilient body, it really means yeah. to hydrate and nourish your body, to get out into nature and sunshine, to move every day, to have healthy sleep and adequate rest. So the foundations of physical health. And this is something that I was actually doing prior to the fire. And it's something that immediately after I had to put a lot of focus on maintaining it because it's really easy for health habits to go out the window when stress hits. And I was totally determined not to let that happen. And yeah, because that's one absolutely, of the, the absolutely. So I had well. just taken the most beautiful restful vacation with my husband. I also consistently put a lot of energy into healthy living and a healthy lifestyle, something that I've been refining really over the last 17 years as a personal journey, because I experienced a lot of major health challenges that, you know, directed me to my path and coming into my profession. So with all of the health habits I had in place, my resilience reserve, as I call it, was really full when the fire happened. So I was well rested, my body was healthy, and other elements were in place as well. <clears throat> yeah. So even though it's, you know, so much you had to face, at least you were ready. Exactly. Because you, you never know when something is going to come up that could be disastrous or a crisis or a major loss. So it's best to always, you know, be cultivating those health habits to be ready for anything that can occur. Another thing that I think served me really well yeah. was developing a resilient mind. And it really involves having a healthy mindset, which are the patterns of thinking um, and also how you view the world. So I, instead of seeing this as a tragedy, I tried to look for the opportunity in it. And instead of asking questions like, why me? I asked myself, how can I grow from this? This is something that I've worked on over the years. And I've also worked on developing a worldview of being able to see the world through a lens of gratitude more often. So the skill of being able to find a silver lining in anything is something that I've really honed in. I am definitely not perfect at it, but I work really hard at it. And I think that feeling gratitude at a moment where there was 
absolute destruction in front of me is really a testament to you know, developing that skill set and healthy mindset to have a resilient mind in that situation. Yeah, that's a beautiful. Um, another thing that Absolutely. I did that really helped me at the time and something I've been doing for years and something I continue to do is journaling a lot. It helps me to check my thoughts. I can see them on paper. I can read them back to myself and hear myself as I'm reading them. So there's a lot of processing going on. But I recognize that sometimes myself and other people, you may recognize this in yourself, that you can get stuck in your mind with repetitive thoughts. You can ruminate about a situation, but not really make any forward motion on it. So journaling has been really helpful to open up the thinking loop and to start to make progress on my thoughts. It helps me to get momentum. And I not only do I use journaling to just process thoughts, but I use it also to pick out and edit out the thoughts that no longer serve me so that I can choose more helpful thoughts instead. That's a really great way of thinking about it. I've never actually <laughs> heard someone use that terminology before and that thought process. So that's, that's really cool because a lot of times people do just, you know, they write everything out, which is wonderful. You know, it helps them process and get it out, but not necessarily to filter out things they don't. Yes, want to think I agree. About. And I think that's really and important. The next part, you know, with our thoughts and our physical body, our emotions are totally connected. So having resilient emotions not only involves experiencing positive emotions like gratitude, but also being accepting of your negative emotions. All emotions are messengers, they have value. And they provide information, I consider it like mm -hmm. taking readings from a compass. And when you take those readings, you're getting that feedback, you can choose to adjust your course. So during this time, even though, you know, at times is focused on gratitude, I felt and acknowledged the trauma I was experiencing. I cried when I needed to, I admitted feeling distressed when I felt it, and expressing and releasing those negative emotions is truly what permits us to make room for more positive emotions. Because if we hang on to negative emotions, resisting, denying, suppressing, these emotions just persist and they'll come out at the worst times. So instead, I think it's important to make a point to acknowledge, accept, and then express negative emotions in a healthy way. Yeah, right. very so much kind of so. going through the grieving process. And then the last yeah. component of the formula is a resilient spirit. And it might not be exactly what you expect. It is not specifically religious, though it can be for some people. But I see a resilient spirit as being connected to your life purpose. And interestingly, there's a growing body of research that shows life purpose and intentional living have been associated with better mental health and physical health, including longevity. So there was a recent study in 2019, and it found that individuals over 50 years old with the highest life purpose rating were 2.24 times more likely to live longer than the individuals with the lowest rating. So yes, and I know that your wow. audience may be composed of some younger listeners, but I always think about prevention. So I don't think we have to wait till we're 50 years old in order to start to focus on our life purpose and really uncover it and then to start to live in alignment with it because it gives rise to wholeness and direction and 
during this situation, I feel like I lived in alignment with my purpose. And I would describe my purpose as to open up minds and hearts to seeing life and health in a different way that they hadn't considered before. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think we should all be focusing on our future, even if, you know, depending on, you know, where we are in our life, our whole, the whole idea is to, you know, build our life. Yes, absolutely. So our actions will then align with what our purpose is and how we see the vision for our life. So in this situation, I felt that, you know, with all the four elements of the resilient woman formula in place for me, I was actually able to, with help, set up a new temporary location only 12 days after the fire and start working with patients again that quickly. Yeah, it was. It was a really wonderful wonderful. um, experience. All of it, the good, the bad. And I'll tell you more about soon how that was possible because it wasn't something that I did on my own. Right. Yeah. I, I bet also, like, if you hadn't been at that positive place you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, prior to that happening, you might not have seen that opportunity, even if it was there. And even if you did have help with it, you may not have reached out because you wouldn't have been. I agree. Without a doubt, how I was feeling beforehand and how I've worked on my health and made improvements and how I've grown as a person over the years really contributed to my ability to be resilient and to bounce back successfully in the situation. Um, And then, you know, another commonly held belief that I hear from people all the time is that their emotional experience is dictated by their circumstances, but they don't exactly say it that way. It comes out in things they might say, like, my coworker makes me feel so stressed, or when things didn't go the way I expected, I withdrew. So... I know from my experience that regardless of circumstances, you can intentionally choose and live in the emotional experience that you want for yourself. And it's really a key element of my resilience reset program that I developed to help women embrace their emotions and use them as a source of strength to reduce stress, to have more clarity, more confidence. So after the fire, I don't think anyone would have blamed me if I laid in bed all day, if I cried, if I moped around the house in yoga pants for weeks, but I decided instead to dress my best. And this was an instinct for me. It just came to me that I should dress ahead of how I was feeling. So even if I was feeling loss and sadness and overwhelm, and a lot of those changing emotions in the early days after the fire, I actually chose to wear outfits that reflected my more lasting inner qualities. So when I looked in the mirror wearing a bright flower pattern blouse and pink lipstick, you know, you can't help but smile. And I felt that it truly reflects who I am, my femininity, my strength, my sensitivity. And it's also symbolic of the role that I'm committed to in fulfilling my life purpose when I dress up for work to go see my patients. So those external cues helped me to keep my fo- keep my focus and to stay strong at a time where it was really easy to crumble. 
Yeah. Like it almost sounds like you're one step ahead of yourself, you know, like you're like, here's where I actually am. Here's where I am mentally and emotionally, which were ahead of where you were in that moment. And you're like, I'm going to step outside of that and go, yes. go beyond Thank that. You. So Thank you. And I know That's we amazing. have this um, passion in common. I love makeup. It's not something that I'm trained in. Um, sometimes people might not understand it in the same way, but I feel that it's a creative outlet and it was something that I just really enjoyed doing during that time. I just put focus on really the little things and pulling that together. That's awesome. Yeah. It just makes you feel, you know, fully put together and just, it makes you feel beautiful. Not that you can't feel beautiful without it, but it does. Exactly. I fully agree. And it helped me to step up to, into the role of being a leader in in this whole experience. Previously, I had a fear of being seen and it was rooted in past judgment I experienced um, and difficult experiences earlier in my life. But with this situation, my mission was truly reaffirmed and becoming a leader was now more important to me than concerning myself with the judgment of others. So it helped me to step outside of my comfort zone And I noticed that, you know, there was, I knew my patients were going to need communication from me. They needed a leader because they were going through an experience too. So it was something that I just really needed to do. And I overcame by focusing on like the greater emotion and my greater connection to ultimately my mission. Right. And you focused on them versus, you know, how, how easy it would have been just to step back and say, okay, we'll figure this out when we can. You're like, you know what, my purpose is bigger than that. And my client's needs, I'm putting that above, you know, what I'm going through, which is really, really. Thank you. Yeah, it was something that uh, wasn't easy to do. But I just I put my focus, I think, in the right direction. And it helped me come through this situation. And, you know, in the coming months, because it's still, even now, it's still something that's ongoing. The place hasn't been rebuilt yet. Um, But in the early months, I was feeling a sense of pressure and rushing when I left from home to go to the office. It's a little bit further now. Um, I didn't like this feeling. And to me, there's nothing worse than being rushed. And it was something that I was doing to myself in my own mind. So I took a step back. And again, I used my journaling tool. So I just started to journal about it. And I chose to intentionally recreate my morning experience. And there's a lot of talk these days about morning routine, evening routine, and I really love it all. So for me, I wanted to cultivate uh, a specific emotion. So instead of rushed and feeling that busyness and that pressure, I chose to cultivate the emotion of awe. And there's some really cool research that suggests that awe can make you feel happier, healthier, more humble, and more connected to the people around you. So for me, I think about awe like a gateway emotion to curiosity, wonder, creativity, and gratitude. And these types of feelings just really open up my heart. So how did I put this into practice? Um, I actually gave myself a seven-day challenge. I wanted to go for a 15-minute walk in nature each morning and take a few photos of natural elements in my environment and challenging myself to change up the elements that I'm taking photos of each time. Because for me, nature and being in nature is like the quickest way for me to get to that feeling of awe. And 
I empathize with my patients because yeah. in my mind at first, you know, this is what was going on. I, I felt busy. I have all this unexpected work because of the situation going on. And I had to actually overcome the mental hurdle of committing to this practice long-term, which felt difficult. So I empathize with my patients on changing habits. I'm also human and I experience the same challenges too, but seven days felt doable, seemed easy to me. So I set out to do my walks um, each morning and I knew that if I just experienced those benefits in seven days, I would do it longer than seven days. And I could tell you that months later, I'm still doing these nature walks no matter the weather. Here it's very snowy. So in the beginning, I was taking pictures of flowers and leaves, then landscapes and now snow. And this practice of taking my morning nature walk and cultivating the emotion of awe is something that's an act of self-love. And it's also a training tool, an inner training tool to become more mindful. Yeah, I commend you for doing it in the snow too, because... (laughs) I have done that before, but then when it gets a little too cold, I tend to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stay thank inside, you. I just, so I, I just back. enjoy it so much. And I, if I focus again, if I focused on the weather and I w- decided to make it weather dependent, certainly some of these really chilly days would keep me indoors. But I know where I'm coming from with the practice and what it's doing for me. So it's something that I've been able to stick to. And you know, all this discussion so far is kind of centered around me and the things that I've done, but. If you think I did this on my own, nothing could be further from the truth. I've had so much help and support during this difficult time. Resilience is not a solo act. It takes community. And I've reached to my patients that it's important to have a healthcare team surrounding them. I have my own healthcare team as well. And I accessed them immediately following the fire. I knew that I needed support to heal and to mitigate the risk of negative impacts on my health. Because when people are stressed, they tend to get sick. And being in the profession that I'm in, I wanted to be on the preventative side of things. So I did all that I could in this way. And I'm happy to say that my immune system prevailed and I did not get sick. (laughs) And, you know, what I want to say to your listeners is that If you're struggling, you need to reach out to others who can support you. You need to let people know. And it's important to accept help when people are offering. I know that many women have been taught to value independence, and it's something that I used to value over anything else, you know, doing things on your own. Accepting help is not a sign of weakness. It actually makes your relationship stronger. It grows your bond. And... I've really since put my focus on having healthy interdependent relationships. That's where you can reliably lean on one another when this is so important in life and health. So just to share about some of the support that I got during that time. So people really know that how important it is to accept help. My mom came over. She was amazing. She cooked for us for the first few days after the fire I actually had a really hard time putting thoughts together initially because of the trauma. So I relied a lot on my husband and my family. I also knew that I needed to put out timely communication to my patients about what was happening because we had scheduled appointments the day of the fire. And I recognized again that my patients were going through an experience of distress as well. Their healing sanctuary had been destroyed, so they needed that leadership from me. 
Um, again, I didn't do it on my own though. My amazing receptionist, Barb, she came to my home every day. We set up a workstation for my kitchen island and we got to work communicating with people. Oh, it felt so good. And awesome. I received dozens of messages of concern yeah. from my patients, extended family, friends, and other community members. So even healthcare providers that I know, they generously offered me space in their clinics to set up shop. And it really, it meant so much to me to receive these messages of support. And I can tell you that I cried far more tears of gratitude from positive emotions than from sadness or loss during this time. And it makes me feel really emotional even saying it right now. Yeah, because I mean, as much as like you said, like you didn't do it alone, they didn't feel like they had to and you kind of went through and healed together from that trauma. And like you said, that yeah. it increased the bond and the trust. They knew that no yeah, matter what you're going absolutely. through. Absolutely. It, it definitely did. And so. There were dozens of our friends involved in salvaging um, and moving office items and then helping me to relocate in my new temporary space so quickly. My parents were both there to help with organizing. My in-laws are awesome. They were so supportive from a distance as much as possible because unfortunately they were out of the country at the time. But I had my colleagues near and far. They were a support team. They helped me strategize uh, about what to do next. So I had a lot of support around me and this experience really taught me that though resilience starts within each of us as individuals, it's really nurtured and supported by the community around us. Yeah, so I know that absolutely. some of your listeners may be thinking, okay, I'm not in the middle of a crisis right now. How do I build resilience? And I want to remind you that resilience is not all about the bounce back. But it's really about what you're doing before inevitable life stresses hit. So your daily habits will dictate how successfully and how completely you're going to be able to bounce back from adversity. And to explore that, I want to revisit what I said in the beginning of our conversation, that, you know, every day has fresh opportunities to build resilience and make healthy change. I call them micro opportunities. So if you're sleeping for a healthy eight hours a night, then you're awake for 16 hours a day. And those 16 hours a day break down into 57,600 seconds or 57,600 micro opportunities. Now, I understand we're not going to be able to use all of them, but they are all accessible to you through self-awareness. So each of these seconds represents a moment that you can make an intentional choice about your actions, your thoughts, your emotions, and these micro opportunities don't have to be an extra task on your to-do list. You can incorporate them into things you're already doing. So for example, if we consider idle moments throughout the day, like whenever you're stopped at a red light, you can focus on activating an experience of gratitude from a memory or positive anticipation of the future. If you're waiting in line at a grocery store, you can find something to appreciate around you and really feel that feeling. You cannot think a feeling. You can think about a feeling, but you can't think a feeling. So you have to feel it in your heart and in your body and experience and really allow all of the sensations that come along with it. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Like just you saying that you can't feel, you know, or you can't think, you know, that like that's just amazing. You can feel it, but you can't think it. And um, 
that's a wonderful tip to remember because so often we're just like, oh, well, let me think, you know, we're always trying to put more work into it. But if you just let go and let yourself. Very true. So these micro opportunities, they become stepping stones to cultivating the emotional, the mental and the physical experience of the health you want to have. And when you're less stressed, you're more relaxed your hormones are better balanced, your digestion works better, you can think more clearly, and you're more likely to experience positive emotions. And if you can't tell, it's something that I'm really passionate about teaching. (laughs) So if your audience wants to learn more, I created a free, free guide called the Mindset Playbook of the Resilient Woman. And it can be downloaded at www.taraguzo.com slash mindset. And if you'd like to connect more, I'm on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Tara Guzzo, ND. That's D R T A R A G U Z Z O N D, as in naturopathic doctor. That is so exciting. I can't wait for your special gift. And thank you so much for that. There's so many people that thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate being here with you and having this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing your heart and your story and also giving all of us some amazing tips on how to be resilient, um, how to stay balanced, and just how every every aspect of our life plays into our overall mentality and being ready for anything that comes up in life. Because even if we don't have a physical tragedy, there's always going to be things that are going to come up and they're going to rock our world. And if we're not ready for it, it's going to throw us out of the loop and we're going to be down and out for a long period of time if we're not ready. So thank you for your story. And thank you, Christina. Um, it's been my pleasure. Do. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, please leave a review and a comment. Don't forget to subscribe as well. Tune in again next week for another episode of Discover a Better You podcast.